0: Welcome to Ministries the Podcast, where I talk to successful ministry leaders about how they're using podcasting to amplify their mission and grow their ministry. I'm Tim Hull, your host and owner of Sonomorphic, a podcast production company that specializes in podcasting for ministries. My guests today are Dr. Michael Easley and Hannah Seymour. Dr. Easley's experience in ministry spans four decades as a gifted Bible teacher and church leader. He shares a passion for ministry, a heart for people, and a love of God. He has a THM and a DMin, both from Dallas Theological Seminary. He's an author, pastor, and sought-after conference speaker and radio commentator. He runs Michael Easley in Context, which is a broadcast ministry that utilizes the web, social media, traditional and satellite radio, and other vehicles to engage people with God's word and context. Michael and his wife Cindy reside in the greater Nashville area. They have four adult children, two sons-in-laws, three grandchildren, and additionally, they love excellent Mexican food, and we're going to talk more about that later. One of his adult children is joining him today, and that's Hannah Seymour. She's the executive director and podcast producer for Michael Easley in Context. We're going to talk about how their podcast began as a radio broadcast, why they chose the donation model for monetization, and how Michael's ministry experience has given him a platform to create successful podcasts. So let's jump in. Here's my conversation with Dr. Michael Easley and Hannah Seymour. Welcome Hannah and Michael to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. So Michael, I think the first time I heard about In Context was when I worked at Ramsey Solutions and you came to speak at Devo and probably was the first time I ever heard you speak and the you know during the intro they give a little bio and said that you're a local pastor, you were former president of Moody Bible Institute and you had a podcast. And I think they probably called out in context at that point. And me being a podcast producer at Ramsey, my ears perked up. and I was like, oh, what's this about? And so I, I dug into it a little bit as I was researching and saw that in context actually started back at your time at Moody. Is that correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, I was um, when I went to Moody in 2004 or five. I always had to think I inherited three radio programs immediately. And the former president had one and I took his slot, and they expanded it. And actually, their team came up with the uh, Michael Easley in Context title, because whenever I teach, I always talk about, you have to know the context, in context. And they go, that's kind of a double entendre. So anyway, so yeah, very privileged to be on the Moody Network, as well as Bot Radio Network, and some of the Salem stations. So it was a Deep dive yeah. into into radio very quickly.
0: Yeah, so you hadn't done any radio before at that point, and just kind of was thrust upon you as, as part of the role.
1: Yeah, I'd been you know a guest on sure. you know program here or there, and we talked about it at the former church I served in uh, DC, and uh, we talked to the local station there about you know putting my toe in the water. On typically, pastors will do like a morning Sunday morning program. Sure. It's a week delayed. Sometimes they're live, but cost and time and uh, we didn't really have the infrastructure. Mm. But when I went to Moody, it was all there, you know, publishing arm, broadcasting arm. Yeah. It was a great privilege to be part of that.
0: Yeah. So you, you talked about this a little, but what led up to the start of In Context as a radio show and then what became the podcast?
1: So primarily at Moody, it was just sermons. And so they would take material I had done Either at the former Church Emmanuel Bible in Springfield, Virginia, or new material when I was teaching on the road and at Moody. Everywhere I went, there was a microphone, yeah. so they recorded, you know, content, 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 as you know. So when I came to Nashville, I had some interest in keeping that because you get a lot of interesting response from listeners. It's a whole new world, and in the radio, you have what they call horizontal and vertical marketing. Hmm. Because if you're on at 6 a.m. all the time, or if you're on at 2 or noon or whatever, you get different markets. And it was quite an education, Tim. So when all that started, it was very intriguing. The feedback and God's kindness was good. So when I moved to Nashville, I thought, well, let's see if we can keep this going. But I didn't want to go out and raise the kind of money it takes to be on all those time slots being part of Moody, it was there. Sure. They paid for all that. It was the infrastructure of the institute, which was, you know, a Moody Network is a large network. I didn't have that walking yeah. away, and so starting over, it was like you know, and podcasts were pretty nascent in two thousand nine or ten. There weren't a lot of them out there really. So, anyway, I don't know if I got to your to your question, yeah. but that's that's kind of the ambling way we stepped into it. Yeah. So along with that, you
0: started the ministry, Michael
1: Easley, in context. At what point did that take place? So Hannah and I were talking about this earlier. I, I don't know technically if I could go back and say it was, I want to say 2010 or 11. Again, we didn't know what we were doing. I was still at another church in town, and we hired a part-time person to help me, and she did a fabulous job of getting it going. But as you know, and what your role is, its con- you just got to create content like crazy, mm-hmm. And so we weren't even looking at, like now we're into YouTube and video, which is a whole other aspect of this. But um, the the play on the word was uh, I would do interviews and Bible teaching. So in context was when I taught the Bible, I talked about in context, keep this in mind. But then when I interviewed Tim Hall, I said, well, Tim, (laughs) tell me how as a Christian you do this job of yours, because I was very curious to help other people learn, look, you can be in the military, you can be a physician, you can be a teacher, you can be a plumber. How do you live out that life as a Christian in the context where God placed you and not have to be, quote, in full-time ministry, close quote, mm. the way we define ministry? So that was sort of the play on words. And in Moody, we had four days of Bible teaching, and then Friday was the interview. And it was no surprise to me, the interviews were were more popular than the four days of Bible teaching. Hmm. So that's where we developed, as you know, the three different podcasts, eventually yeah. the sermons, the In Context, which is an interview format, and then the newer one that Hannah came up with, the Ask Dr. E. In fact, you were probably involved in some of those conversations when we created the Ask Dr. E format.
0: I think it may have started before I, I was working on editing, but I remember, Okay, uh, I think it was at some point during that we broke it out into be a separate show as opposed to just within the Michael Easley and Context feed. And so Hannah, what at what point did you get involved with all of this? Your dad's doing broadcasting, decides to start the ministry in the podcast. Where, where do you come along?
2: Yeah, so I didn't come on board until I think 2016. So I mean, it had been several years that they had been doing Michael Easley in Context in podcasting format. And long story short, we were uh, earlier talking about how was the beginning? And like, he he told his side of the story and I went, that's really interesting. That is, that is your perspective. Like, I have a different perspective of how that happened. But I mean, really, it was, you know, right place, right time. He was looking to hire someone new to come on full time. And I was helping a little bit here and there. I was helping write some content for them and their website. And so anyway... I was doing a little bit for him, and I had decided I was kind of ready for a career change to create up some more time to do writing and speaking, which is something else that I love to do. And so anyway, I looked at him at one point, and I said, don't hire that other guy. Just hire me. I can do this job for you, you know? And so it took us... I bet we kept talking about it and praying about it for maybe three, four months just because we were asking people, are we crazy? Like, is this... You know, he's going, "Am, am I insane to hire my daughter? And I'm going, am I crazy to work for my dad? Like, you know... But I think we. That, both, that
1: was the bigger question, yeah. yeah. when you crazy to work for your father. Well, but I
2: think, you know, <laughs> I think the advice several friends gave you was, you know, who would be better? You know, your daughter loves you, supports you, knows your voice, is going to work hard for you. And then. Mine was kind of like, man, how many kids have the opportunity to support a parent that's in ministry? And, you know, I so believe in what my dad's doing. I think he's one of the best expository Bible teachers that's alive today. You know, I'm like, how could I not take time? I'm never gonna look back and regret this. You know, I'm never gonna go, man, I shouldn't have yeah. worked for my dad for those years. And so <laughs> um it just it just kind of made sense.
0: Yeah, that's great. So speak to that a little bit more because you're the producer. Yeah. So that means you get to make some decisions on content and kind of probably spar a little bit with with Michael on, <laughs> on the content you should put on or the questions you should ask on Ask Dr. E. So, so talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, so one I will say, I don't think I was hired to be the producer. I think it just kind okay. of happened. I'm not really, <laughs> I don't really know what I was hired to do, honestly, something.
1: Everything. You were hired uh, everything.
2: Yeah, um, and I would say it depends on the day, Tim. There are days where I go, you know what? It's called Michael Easley in Context for a reason. It's called Ask Dr. E. It's not Hannah in Context. It's not Ask Hannah. <laughs> so you know what? You're. Let's do whatever you want to do. And then there are days, as my dad will attest to you, that I will say, no, we are not. Not doing that, you know. This is not fulfilling <laughs> our vision, mission, goals. This is, you know, I don't like it. I don't like the idea. I'm throwing it in the trash can, and sometimes I win, and sometimes he wears me down. It, again, just depends on the day. I would say, <laughs> what would you say, Dad?
1: <laughs> well, I lean on Hannah a lot because one of the reasons I wanted to work with her or her work with me was there was a time, Tim. I think I really connected with the 30 and younger age group. As I got older, I didn't. And I saw that diminishing relationship. And so Hannah, of course, is in the throes of that in her college career, working at Belmont and uh, George Washington University. So she understood younger minds and attitudes. And you know, I was like, well, look, she gets this and she can help me in that regard. So I do lean on that a lot. In fact, she did focus groups early on about how, because she, you know, it's great to have you know, a daughter who believes in you. And she goes, how do you connect? Cause we had this joke in our family, Tim, that I've got probably 50 daughters because uh, Hannah and Jesse would bring a lot of their friends over. And the kitchen Island was always the hub of our life. And they're talking to Cindy, they're talking to me and, you know, Hannah's and Jesse's friends would go, I love your parents so much. And so forth. So there was this weird kind of organic connection and they all would look up to Cindy and me. And so the Ask Dr. E, which that really became part of an outgrowth, because it was like, Dad, my friends want to know what you think. They may not agree with you, but they want to know what you think. And so that precipitated this. You do have a connection and relationship with a lot of these young women in particular. You're an old guy, you're a father, you're safe, you've got daughters. And so there was this weird alignment, and uh, it wasn't something we mapped out. I think God kind of Showed us the direction, if you will. So it made sense. And back to production, I ask her constantly, and she'll say, "Okay, what are, what are we going to do next?" And I may have an idea for a series, and I may not. And just her asking me that question and provoking me, and she does jettison things sometimes. And sometimes I go, like, "No, we're going to do this," but it's very collegial. It's never like an argument. Mm. Um, and that's one of the fun parts is I get to work with my daughter. I mean, that's, that's a kick in the pants for me as I get to wake up every day, hey, I, I'm recording with Hannah today. It's a good day because I get to hang out with my daughter. And I do value highly her perspective and opinion on something. And I, I'm constantly saying, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Because between Cindy and Hannah, their feedback to me is more important than drop rates or you know who listens. Mm-hmm. What are the two people I trust most in this venue of teaching what do they think about you know what we're talking about
0: yeah so let's dive into the ask dr e show and how that came about so you've mentioned a little bit there michael but what was the conversations like as you as hannah you maybe it sounds like you brought that idea up and you passed it back and forth and became part of the show and then later split off into its separate podcast
2: Yeah, it started truly because I would get text messages or phone calls or I'd be, you know, hanging out with friends and they'd be like, I really want to know what your dad thinks about X, whether it was politics, you know, something going on, a Bible verse, a certain interpretation of, you know, five points of Calvinism, like whatever, And he, of course, after giving a sermon on Sunday, you know, there's like a line of people who want to talk to him. And a lot of times they have a question. They have a follow-up question or something they're dealing with in the workplace or a friend believes in X. How do I respond to that? Whatever. And so we thought, man, how do we start capturing this in a different way in context, of course, is an interview format. And so while my dad certainly is asserting his opinion and his thoughts and ideas, He's really letting the guest talk about whatever they're an expert, you know, whatever their area of expertise is. So, for us, we thought let's just try this out and let's do some. We're going to call them Ask Doctor and let people call in, and we'll answer those on the show. And so that was part of Michael Easley in context. They were like forty-five minutes to even over an hour, and we'd answer four or five questions in a in a show. And long story short, we got some feedback from a consulting firm saying hey, like we love what you're doing within context, but you're doing too much on one platform. You need to be more consistent in the content that you're delivering to your audience. Your audience needs to know on Tuesday mornings what they're getting from you. And it changes based on the week with you guys. And I thought that's valid. And I wonder what would happen if we split this off into its own show. And because it kind of is a different audience. I mean, there's cross-pollination for sure, but there's one person who wants to listen to a 45-minute interview format with, you know, Michael Easley, who calls himself a hack theologian, which <laughs> just the other day, some, oh, it was Kaylee, my sister-in-law was saying like, he's literally one of like the most brilliant theologians alive today. You know, I'm like, my dad would like die if he heard you say that. But <laughs> um, but again, interviewing subject matter experts, well, then Dr. E is a 10-minute Quick Q&A. It's a listener. Mostly they write in or text in now. We love it when they call in because we can capture their voice. And I think that makes better, just a better podcast experience for the listener. But, and he'll answer that in 10 minutes. And, you know, it's a different person, different vibe, different whatever. You're going to go to those two different shows for two different things. And so I think splitting it off has worked really well. And there is cross-pollination, but I definitely think we have two different audiences also.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because I mean, and it makes sense too that you have two different audiences based on that because they're showing up for different reasons,
1: right? Yeah, that, exactly.
0: That some people are well, wanting to. Yeah, what do you, what I'm do you think? Oh, it, it? it, it, sorry. Well, okay. It's
1: funny because I get complaints because the Ask Dr. E's too short because they work out. And then I get complaints because <laughs> the long format isn't long enough for their hour workout. <laughs> so I'm like, well, <laughs> there's this feature on your phone. Everything. You go to the next one. <laughs> Just cue them up. <laughs> people going. are funny. That is funny.
0: Um, but yeah, that's good to have two different lengths and formats and, and see what people respond to. And, and it gives you the ability to kind of play around with some of those. So that's really fun to, yeah. fun to see. And next I want to get into the way in which um, you keep the podcast going. So on your website, it says, the ministry of Michael Easley in context is dependent upon the prayers and financial gifts of individuals. We are funded by friends who want to be part of broadcasting God's word in context. So the question behind that is, what led you to decide to do a donation model as the way to support the podcast and the ministry?
1: Tim, probably because I was smart enough to know how to monetize it or to sell (laughs) it. Uh, I've, I've been in the nonprofit world my whole life. Uh, 43 years. I've never been one to try to make money. I felt like I was use my gifts, talents, and abilities to serve Christ and to be a good steward, obviously. But it was the objective. You don't go into ministry to to make money and get rich. You're stupid if you're going to go to seminary and be a pastor and think you're going to be wealthy or you've got a problem. Maybe some do. But anyway, there's other fields if you want to make money. So to me, it was always a giveaway. We didn't charge for sermons. You know, we didn't, you know, it was free. So when we started in context, or rather the podcasting aspect of it, I didn't know how to monetize. I didn't know you could do those kinds of things. We talked about having, you know, different groups support me. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to send an email to close friends that have known me many, many years and say, this is where we're headed. Pray about it. And if you want to help, help. And Tim, we've been blown away. By Mm -hmm. people's generosity, I mean, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you. Now it's a it's a low overhead ministry, but I'm almost embarrassed to tell you how much people have given and support us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're, we're looking at some big expenditures in the future, as for example, a studio. But right now, you know, it's almost embarrassing. God just provided so generously, and I also know if I needed something. I've got, you know, half a dozen friends I could call and say, you know me? You can say no. Our friendships more important than your finances. But would you pray about giving me X? And I'm hmm. always shocked how quickly they'll say yes. And so in God's great kindness, you know, we've got a pretty good storehouse of funds, you know, that God's enabled. Now, you know, you you know more about this than we do. You're the expert in our book, but as we go forward with YouTube, that's a whole different model. Of how that monetizes. Sure. And we'll see how that works out, how God enables us to do that. We're not opposed to it, but it's just something I never knew. So the, the donation, ba- and we are a 501c3. So yeah. when people give, it is a tax deduction for certain people to take advantage of that as a nonprofit.
0: Yeah, because I the reason I ask is because I haven't heard too many shows that I listen to. That do more of a donation model now. There's like there's like a Patreon type of a thing that you're paying right. for extra above and beyond usually in that regard, or a membership that's like usually in that case it's uh you get our show ad free because the normal show has ads, right? Right. But I haven't heard too many shows that have done a donation model, and it sounds like it's worked really well for you and the platform that you have and the way that it's built over the years. So that's really cool to hear. That's worked well for you, and I'm sure that works well for some other people. So hopefully in future conversations that I'll have, I'll I'll find some more people that are are doing a similar thing and and hear more about how that's working.
1: Well, I I don't know about you, but I tire of ads, even good ads. They wear me out. It's the same thing every (laughs) time. And I'm like, you know, I'm not stupid. And, you know, when I listen to podcasts, I fast forward all the time. Mm -hmm. I'll fast forward through content to get past an ad. Because it's insulting to me. Now, I understand you got to pay the bills. But on the other side, why can't we do it in a way that the listener is being ministered to? And then if God moves them to say, you know, I like that. I want to support that. I want to help that. And, you know, Hannah can tell you some stories. We uh, have picked up some donors. We don't know them at all. There was a truck driver Mm -hmm. that reached out to Hannah. It was so cool. And it wasn't a big gift. He sent what 25, 50 bucks a month, Hannah, something like that.
2: No, he was the owner of a trucking company. Okay. And he sent more than that, yes. (laughs)
1: Okay, okay. But but again, we didn't know. And all of a sudden he's sending money and it's like, wow, what a towering blessing. And that was a case in point. It ministered to him and he wanted to help. And we never had to ask. So that to me is a very different base to have. And it frees me up. Not that having a company By ad time, but I don't want to shill the gospel. And I want the gospel to be free and available to anybody. And I never was concerned about was I going to turn a profit? It was can we pay the bills? Can we pay the staff? Can we pay people that we hire to do certain tasks like Sonomorphic? And that that was our objective. Mm
2: -hmm. And I think what's funny is like non ministry aside, you know, when you think about a donor listener supported model. Hello, NPR. I mean, that is what they have been doing (laughs) since the beginning of time. And it was all only radio, you know, and they were fundraising to be on radio and fundraising for television. And now they're fundraising for podcasting. But I mean, I remember they would have weeks of their donor solicitation. And anyway, so it's funny, because that's not the norm anymore. But at at a time, NPR was like, you know, the thing. And I mean, they still are in many ways on especially in the podcast (laughs) world. But but yeah. they are donor-supported, you know?
1: Yeah. And government-supported. Well, and, yes. And government-supported. <laughs> big-time, big-time government-supported. Yeah. Hey, maybe um, we need to go after the government to help let's us out. do it. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> Somehow I don't see you doing that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Somehow you're right,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so, Michael, what are some of the opportunities that you've gotten because you've been doing this podcast for so many years um, that you wouldn't have had otherwise?
1: You know, that's... I'm going to fail you on that question. It's almost been the other way around. It's okay. been the opportunities I've had that have given me the platform for a podcast. There's probably been some. I think the Ask Dr. E is probably the most indicative illustration. It's not what an answer to your question in that, oh, I've gotten to go do XYZ because I have this podcast. It's been more the people who have come to us with a question. We recorded some today, and one of them was heartrending about a young woman that's living in the big city, the Apple, and you know she's going through some big struggles, and it's hard, and she's yeah. asking who me for encouragement and help, and so those are the aspects of the podcast that I guess I should have understood, but we didn't see coming, and so you feel very privileged that someone's going to ask you a question about their personal spiritual life and think somehow I got the answer that's pretty Mm. chilling and so it's very humbling but you know as far as you know have I been invited to xyz because of a podcast no that really has not been our experience I'm sure we've gotten some emails and things from time to time would you come speak at this or that but I say no to most of that stuff at this chapter
0: Podcasting takes a lot of time, effort, and to be honest, a lot of Googling. What if you could ask like-minded people how to overcome the challenges you're facing starting a podcast, growing a podcast, or producing multiple podcasts? I think starting a community like that would be super valuable, but I want to know what you think. Would you be interested in being part of a community of ministry leaders using podcasts to amplify their mission and grow their ministry? If so, let me know by filling out the interest form using the link in the show notes. Hannah, from your perspective on that same question, would you say that you've been able to, from a producer standpoint, build deeper relationships with the guests that you're having on? Because some of these guests that you've had on, you've probably had on three, four times over the course of a decade or something like that. What's that been like?
2: Yeah, it is fun. The relationships you develop, both in the podcasting world and just with the subject matter experts and folks that you're having on. I mean, we definitely like will have an author that neither of us know personally. Maybe we've never even heard of this person before, but they're pitched to us by their publisher or their publicist. And we'll have them on, and man, we will just fall in love with them. We love their content, we love what they're saying, and we're like, we got to get you back on. Don't you keep us in the loop. <laughs> next book, next yep. whatever you've got going on. Next time you have something that you want to step up on a platform and preach about, come onto our platform. You know, we're ready for you. So, yeah. so that's fun. And I think to go back to the original question, I think the biggest thing with podcasting is you are just widening the opportunity to reach people, to touch people, encourage them, challenge them, whatever it is you're trying to do mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, we'll talk about like, well, this sweet girl that wrote in from New York. I mean, she's getting, you know, one-on-one 10 minute advice from this guy who, you know, she wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise, or he's, you know, sharing information or scripture or whatever that he might never be in that person's hometown preaching at their church, but they can listen to him online. And I mean, that's the obvious thing, but it it really is amazing. You can you can reach anybody anywhere.
1: Yeah,
0: that's the great thing about yeah, podcasting. L- let me
1: let me jump yeah. on that and add clarify, Hannah's exactly right. Philip Carey, Dr. Carey, has become a dear friend and he's been on the program three or four times. He's a professor at Eastern Seminary and prolific, I mean, he's a scholar, and uh, I do read weird things and one of his books is on the meaning of Protestant theology, and he's an expert in Augustine and a Luther. I came in, you're familiar with the the great teaching company or the teaching courses it's called, I think now, but, uh, okay. it's a yeah, great story, it, yeah. great story how, uh, you know, decades before podcast, these guys went around on campuses and said, they asked about 10 kids, who's the best professor on campus. And within five minutes they found out because hmm. kids say, Oh, Dr. So-and-so. And, uh, so they would go in and audit the class a few times and say, can we record this? And that became the great teaching company and they started out in chantilly virginia not far from where we lived and had a couple of hundred courses now they've got thousands of courses and uh, they're full on college and graduate courses and they're all subject matter experts well philip carey did one on augustine and so through corresponding with him now he's been on at least what four times hannah yeah probably and he and i trade emails three or four times a month. And, Mm. uh, you know, I love the man. And so that's been, and he knew nothing about me, nothing about Moody, nothing about my world of evangelical Bible churches. And I knew very little about his, he's got a very interesting Anglican Protestant group that he's a part of, but the body of Christ is pretty cool in that regard. So anyway, I'm prattling, but that's been one of several we Mm. could talk about that have become our friends and uh, if I have a question, hey, we need to get Phil Carey to talk about this, they enjoy doing it. And we love, of course, having them on.
0: Yeah, that's a cool opportunity that affords you because of that, building relationships with people that you may not have had the ability to, to build that much of a relationship. It may have just been a passing conversation at a conference or something. But at best, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as we talked about the two main shows that you have with in context and Ask Dr. E., What would you say now that you've been doing them for a while? What do your listeners really enjoy and makes a successful episode of each of those podcasts?
2: So I think when we look at metrics, it's always all over the map. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, if we do an episode on gun control on In Context, that one skyrockets. It's almost clickbaity with just the title, you know, and then people either really love it, and so they share it with 18 other people, or they hate it, and so they share it because they hate, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, I would say, we were talking about this earlier, you know, what's hard is, for us, a successful episode is one that pushes people farther along in their walk with Christ, It's not really measurable, you know, so we'll air an episode and he'll get a ton of texts or emails from obviously people who know him personally or, and we'll get some stuff in the inbox and you know, man, that one really resonated with folks, but that's kind of our metric, you know, And and we do look at the actual analytics, but I would say for us, it really is like, well, yeah, of course they love these really hot topic ones or, Um, you know, maybe there's a big guess we had Mike Pence on earlier this year or something Mm. like that. Like, it's going to be obvious the ones that are shared more because at the end of the day, you've got your loyal audience who are going to come back most weeks and listen. And so for an episode to really spike, it's because they loved it so much. They felt like they or hated it (laughs) and they had to share (laughs) it. Um, so anyway,
0: yeah, well, that's a great metric anyway, personal feedback, on episodes yeah. from your audience and the emails and whatnot, like that's better than getting more downloads because then yeah. you can actually interface with those people and reply, thanks so much, and build a relationship with actual people as opposed to just a number that's that keeps ticking up. Exactly. So what makes podcasting for you, Michael, still worth doing after you've been doing it for so many years? What makes it still a value for you and your ministry?
1: I remember when I first went to Moody, you're put in such a huge limelight all of a sudden. I was a pastor for 24 years and mm. kind of knew that wheelhouse, if you will. And all of a sudden, you're a national voice. It's kind of terrifying. And you do find out your haters, and you make a lot of mistakes. You say things that you shouldn't say. I am flippant. I can say things off the cuff. People that know me go, oh, that's Michael. People that don't know you. Uh, you know, they don't give you that mercy or grace if you will, but I think it's the Joe Davis, who was the former president of Salem radio told me once, he said, Michael, he goes, think of broadcasting. Literally you're, you're broadly casting a message and he goes, do you have something to say? And I go, I don't think I do, but I think the scripture has something to say. And he says, well, yeah, you do have something to say, but I see your point. But he says, you have a unique voice, and there will be people that will be ministered to by that voice, and you're broadcasting it to people that won't be in a local church where you are. And again, that's humbling. It sounds self-promoting, which I despise the idea of self-promotion. But if—I also get tired of the word organic. But if people organically find this or a friend shares it—we have some friends—I mean, they become— dear friends, because someone shared the podcast Hmm. and, you know, they listened faithfully and they might send a note or send a check. And we love that. But that to me has been the joy, Tim, is you're, you're reaching an audience that doesn't happen to live in a 25 mile radius of Brentwood or Franklin or, you know, college Grove, Tennessee. It's just a privilege. It's humbling to have people from, you know, around the world, literally, listen to a podcast, is like, goodness, Lord, That that's so and that, that also motivates us to do a good job. And mm-hmm. uh, we try very hard from not only the editing that you do for us and cleaning up a program, a lot of groups don't do that, we still believe in that. And I'm trying to learn with my content, how I address things. Because as it grows, YouTube, especially, it's a very different world out there. And they don't have any history with me or I with them. So you have to be careful, you know. If and when the audience expands, that you uh, guard your your mouth. You know, I'm not Joe Rogan. I'm not going to say anything <laughs> comes off my head, mm-hmm. and I'm not Dave Ramsey. You know, so you have to know how God's wired and equipped you. But I'm prattling again. The bottom line is, it's just a privilege to minister, and it's fun to meet these guests. I mean, we have now it's it's people come to us and they want to be on the podcast. That's pretty neat. We were making all the phone calls before. Now they're coming after us going, hey, can we be on your... That's very honoring and humbling. Okay, Lord. We interviewed an author yesterday I would have never known, but Mm. his uh, publisher came after us and they kind of know what we do and said, you might look at this book. Oh, it's another book on the same subject. Well, I flip through it and go, okay, he's addressed some things I haven't seen. Let's give him a little airtime. So it's a win-win, I hope, in, uh, in the broader picture of ministry. Yeah,
0: that's great. All right, so now it's time for uh, the high-pass segment, which uh, <laughs> is a little a little audio pun humor because uh, the tagline I have put with this is, where we ignore the lows and I ask you about some of your favorite things. <laughs> so here we go. The first one is, uh, Michael, I read in your bio that you and Cindy love excellent Mexican food. So where is your favorite Mexican restaurant?
1: Well, Hannah and I actually talked about this prior, and I had to think about it uh, because middle tennessee i'm sorry there's just not great mexican food there's some okay ones but there's one in houston called el tiempo cantina and it's on westheimer uh and it's if i go to houston i'm gonna go el Tiempo cantina and uh eat till i'm almost ill uh tex-mex is very different from californian mexican food and uh new mexico type food but um Mm -hmm. Yeah, but in, in the area here, we like Pueblo Real. We'll do Chewies, the mainstream ones from time to time. But And then, of course, uh, Mrs. Easley cooks up a pretty good uh, pork taco, and we can make okay. some pretty good right here at the uh, Easley <laughs> kitchen.
0: <laughs> nice. Hannah, do you share the, uh, the love for Mexican food? I do. I love Mexican food. <laughs> it's in my blood. <laughs> so where do you find yourself going? What's your favorite restaurant in town?
2: Uh, that's a good question. We tried nada a few weeks ago and that was pretty good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that there's one that we like always go back to. My husband doesn't love Mexican food. So it, <laughs> it I either, actually, I go to, you know where I go? I go to Garcia's like all the time okay. in Franklin. That's probably yeah. my, uh, but again, it's Staple. like meeting, it's like either lunch with my dad or meeting a friend there. Yeah. It's one of the things that my husband is like 99 percent perfect but that one percent it's the doesn't love mexican food
1: he doesn't like beans that's you know you have to pray about that you know we gotta get him that's not gonna change
2: yeah
0: (laughs) oh that's great all right the next question is what's your one of your favorite stories from a listener about how the podcast has impacted their life you've mentioned a few of these stories but
1: what's one of your favorite hannah you got one
2: i know it's so hard i i uh I think it's probably the surprises. Like I had twice it's happened. I've been out on the sidewalk with my kids doing something in front of our house and a neighbor comes over and we're chit-chatting about whatever. And then they just like happen to mention, like, oh yeah, I listen to Ask Dr. E or Oh, I listen to Mike Lee's in mm. context. And I'm like, What? Um, you know, and that's always just really humbling that you know, there's no one that knows you like your neighbors do. Like these people have seen me in my slippers and my robe. You know, yelling down the street for my four-year-old to get back inside because he (laughs) left the house without permission. You know, like these people really see all sides of me. And, um, you know, I've never told them about the podcast. And so the fact that they listen to it, and and it's not just that they listen. It's like, wow, the episode, because it comes, the reason it comes up is they go, y'all did an episode recently and then they tell me about it and I go okay yeah and they, we talked about that in our bible study and it was so mm. helpful when we were discussing the trinity or just you know whatever topic they were grappling with and and I I texted it out to everybody after so that they could listen to it and it's stuff like that that you go man what we're doing it really does have an impact god is using it far beyond what we would hope he would and it's just it's really sweet it's really encouraging
1: yeah well, one uh I was telling Hannah, I said, you know, when I get the real great ones, I email them to you, and then I forget what, <laughs> what they said, because my brain is, uh, has holes in it. But I did a series on baptism some time ago, and we will reference that from time to time. And it's such an interesting topic. You don't think about baptism you know, being on the top of people's mind. And of course, we're in Nashville, which of course is the epicenter for the Church of Christ, and they have some different views on baptism. And I did this series on walking through baptism in the book of Acts. And I had a gentleman who was in his 80s invite me to his adult baptism. Hmm. And he'd been baptized as an infant in the Presbyterian church. And he uh, told me the story about listening to it with this group of guys. And uh, they argued about it every time they listened to it. But two of them ended up getting baptized simply because we went through Acts and talked about the different types of baptism, different timing, when it went to the Gentiles, why they got baptized. Anyway, that was just pretty striking to think. It was just teaching the Bible clearly and systematically, mm. and someone said, wow, I need to respond to that. But we also are very careful, Tim, not to you know, listen to our fan mail. Um, there's a bell curve, obviously. Sure. The hate mail, you have to kind of—you you know this from working with Ramsey Solutions. You get a lot of hate mail. And you get people that are you know confused and angry about who knows what and God love them you know I'm not mad at them I don't want to you know block them necessarily unless they get nasty but at the same time of the bell curve other side you got to be careful not to believe everything you hear so I think at the end of the day as I mentioned earlier Cindy and Hannah and a few other people that know me really well and I had one call me not long ago the other day and he kind of corrected me on some things not in an unkind way but he said you know I think you know temperate and he was right hmm. so it's it's i think it's a give and take in that regard you want to listen to your audience and say wow i need to be careful how i sound sometimes and other times you need to be you know pound the table and say no you know uh i hate to over spiritualize it but that's the stewardship god's given us hmm. and i'll stand in account one day for what i taught people james 3 1 terrifies me not many of you become teachers, brethren, knowing that you will encourage your judgment. That terrifies me. The older I get, more and more, I think about, oh, what am I doing to these people? Because some people will believe it just because I said it. And that is, um, you know, that's that's a treacherous place to live.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. The last question in the uh, High Pass segment here is, what's your favorite ministry podcast to listen to? Other than, in context, fast Dr. yeah, of, of course. <laughs> or... What is your favorite ministry that you wish had a podcast?
2: We're both such bad people to ask this question because we're like, like the only podcast I listen to at the moment is called Mind Pump. It's a fitness podcast. I mean, that is it. And I go through spells where I listen to 12 other podcasts. I'm just in a season where I'm doing actually audiobooks right now. Um, There's a podcast, my friend Jillian Edwards, who's a singer-songwriter. She has a podcast called Ponder Well. And it's really sweet. It's like ten minutes or less, and she just kind of—it's kind of like a devotional. But she asks you some reflective questions and just kind of sets up space. And for me, I'm not someone who's very um, personally reflective and analytical. I just kind of like charge ahead all the time. So I like having Jillian in my ear just to kind of make me go, "Yeah, like I," you know, just thinking more about really just how our union with Christ impacts our day and what does that look like for me today. So that's what I like.
1: I have to be uh, honest, and uh, I, you know, I don't listen to religious podcasts or Christian podcasts. I can't abide them, most of them. Um, I just can't. I mean, I, I love certain Bible teachers. I wouldn't listen to a podcast to access, to uh, listen to their sermons. Uh, I will tell you, a person that I have become enthralled with their ministry, primarily the YouTube, not the podcast, is Elisa Childers. Hmm. Uh, she is doing a remarkable job, and I'm... I'm astonished at her grasp of information, how she can articulate it. She's a brilliant young lady. Uh, Cindy and I have spent some time with her and Mike, and uh, we've had her on the podcast a couple times, yeah. and we're looking forward to uh, learning from her as well. But she does an extraordinary job. Who I'd like to see have a podcast, there's a group called CBWM, the Conference on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, and they're kind of an amalgamation of people that have different subject matter expertise, but like everybody they don't have the infrastructure or the ability, but I'd love to see a host. And if I was, to, and still one of my long-term dreams um, I don't know if you remember the Brett Baer news hour, Brit Hume started this with special report years ago on okay. Fox news. Uh-huh. And the last 30 minutes of the show was the panel he had a left, a centrist, and a right, hmm. and then he posed two questions, and each of them, the left, the centrist, and the right, would talk about it in a very civil way, and it was the best news television consumption for me personally, hmm. and I thought I'd love to see that in a Christian format where you've got a subject matter expert who uh, on each of these topics and then a host who knows how to ask questions not comment and not be an op-ed person or opinion, but say, okay, what do we think about the Southern Baptist with this women pastor thing right now? What do we think about this Christian person who's a high-profile person who's now in trouble? And what do we do with their ministry going forward? As opposed to all the all that you typically hear on social media. So long answer to your question, but I like clear-headed arguments that aren't screaming and yelling, <laughs> yeah. like The View, but who are actually giving opinions based on fact and information, not just how I feel on a given day. So that'd be my dream podcast, to have You know, yeah. three or four subject matter experts. Janet Parshall is one of our heroes. We get her on at least once or twice a year. And she, Alicia Childers, so many people are just astonishing how well they can grapple with so many things going on in the body of Christ mm. in a way that I can't. And I really respect people that can do that.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, this brings us to our last question as we close our time today. But uh, Michael, what would you say is your best advice for a pastor who's thinking about starting a podcast outside of their normal Sunday sermons and why, why do you think they should have a podcast?
1: Well, first I need to go to Sonomorphic and, <laughs> uh, and reach out to them and see if they can help them. Because you need somebody as brilliant as Tim to know how to do these things. Because uh, I'm just talking behind a microphone in front of a camera. Hannah's doing all the heavy lifting, but somebody has to make it sound good and put it together. Um, They need to ask and answer the question, why? And I'm going to go back to Joe Davis' comment about broadcast. Do you believe you have a message that perhaps is unique or you're gifted or skilled in that you're not seeing in 15 other flavors. Uh, One of the reasons I didn't go back on FM radio was because of the talking head, the lineup of other pastors is like, okay, I respect these men. I mean, you've got Chuck Swindoll, John MacArthur, Alistair Begg, You know, go down the list. Why do you need one more guy like Michael Easley doing the same thing? And that's a hard question. You gotta put your ego out of the equation. Then I would look at my core friendships at the church. And I would go to people who would tell me the truth. I'd get four or five of them, maybe one-on-one at first, and say, am I crazy? I don't have the infrastructure. I don't know how to do this, where to begin. And uh, I would get their honest feedback. And then I would say, would you help me? If they thought it was a worthy endeavor. Then I would go to a studio and I'd record my brains out. <laughs> I'd, I'd get 10 or 20 programs in the can With the idea of listening to them and murder bordering, have other people listen to them and say, is this worth doing it? Hmm. And last thing, content is consumable. It gets eaten. It takes you hours to put it together, and it's gone in a second. So you have to be a disciplined person to say, I am going to record this. Hannah and I do this twice a week. It takes time for her. It takes time for me. we got to line up guests. It's a lot of work. So you had to be committed to this long term because what did you tell me, Hannah? The average podcast start how many programs?
2: Yeah, well, you just see people will start it and they release six episodes and then they never release anymore. And it's <laughs> mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's like you got something to say, but do you have enough to say?
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. So um, ask people you trust, get them around you, do some testing. And then do you have the study discipline? It's a, it takes discipline. You know that. It takes discipline. I mean, if you're just yeah. behind a microphone answering call-in questions, that's one thing. But if you're developing content, you're interviewing guests, you got to have some, you know, I've got a stack of books here, Tim. I got to survey those books before I get those guests or I sound like an idiot and I'm not serving them well. And then the same with the Ask Dr. E, I've got to have the time to think about how do I land the plane? That's where Hannah's great for me, because Hannah will say, Dad, you didn't answer the question, (laughs) because I get off on the rabbit trail like right now. But if you're a pastor or in ministry thinking about it, truly, sample some you like. What are they doing? Are you offering something unique? Do you have a unique broadcast voice? Uh, Do you think that's something God wants you to do? And then common sense. Ask some people to help you. Come alongside. Be prepared to change because you're going to have to work on your speech, your rate, if you're going to do a camera like we're doing right now. I mean, Hannah, how many iterations have we gone through right now technology to get where we are? And that's exhausting unless you have somebody who can help you because I don't want to be working behind a board. My job is to study, to write, to ask good questions, to seem like I know what's going on not to figure out why Riverside isn't working right now. <laughs> <laughs> Long answer. Hannah, what would you say to that?
2: Yes and amen.
1: <laughs> I
0: <just did> <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that kind plug at the beginning of that answer and the great advice for all those listening. Just thank you for your time today, Hannah and Michael. Thanks for all the work that you do it in context and that uh, so many get to enjoy every week.
1: Well, we appreciate you so much, Tim. You've helped us go from uh, pretty clumsy uh, editing, and uh, you've taken it to a new level for us. And we are greatly appreciative of how easy you are to work with and all that you do for us to make in context and ask Dr. E uh, worth listening to, because at the end of the day, it's got to be clear and intelligible for folks. And you do a phenomenal job helping all that behind the scenes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you. That's very kind. All right. Well, that wraps our episode today. Thanks again, Hannah and Michael, for joining me. Thank you. That was some great advice from Michael on the keys for a pastor to start their own podcast, and really anyone for that matter. It takes discipline to develop great content, and you have to be willing to change to grow. Those are some wise words of wisdom. If you want to check out their podcast, Michael Easley in Context, Ask Dr. E or his sermons podcast, Michael Easley Sermons. I've got the links for you in the show notes. Now, it was very kind of him to plug Sonomorphic there at the end of the episode. Totally didn't ask him to do that, but that is my podcast production company. And I've had the opportunity of working with Michael and Hannah on their podcasts for the past few years now. So glad to be a part of the work they do adding context. Now, shameless plug here, if you're interested in starting a podcast or wanting to offload some of the production work for your podcast, I'd love to chat with you. Just go over to my website, sonomorphic.com, click on book a call and fill out the form with some basic information. From there, we can get some time on the calendar to talk about how we might be able to work together. I've got that link for you in the show notes. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Ministries at Podcast, produced by Sonomorphic. If you enjoyed today's episode, text it to a friend or share it on social media. Together, we can help more ministries grow and thrive through podcasting. And if you haven't already, follow or subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review with your key takeaway from today's episode. I'd love to hear it. Come back in two weeks to hear our first How They Could Podcast episode. I'll be talking about He Gets Us, You've probably seen one of their commercials on TV. They've got a great mission and have run some huge advertising campaigns, but they don't have a podcast. I'll be unpacking my podcast strategy for them and why it would be a huge value for the work they're doing to, quote, reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible, close quote. Until then, keep encouraging your audience
1: as they follow Jesus.